I need to get you to do something. And it's, imp yeah. it's important. So I need okay. you to put your hand on your heart or on like a significant book that's nearby and okay. repeat after me. Okay. I, uh, Deirdre Coyle. I, Deirdre Coyle. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. To not mention. To not mention. The shape of water. The shape of water. Throughout this podcast. Throughout this podcast. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. basement, the Yankist basement in all of the Treaty 7 territory, uh, by uh, Deirdre, Co Deirdre Coyle. Uh, she's someone I've been wanting to go on the show for a while because she has genuinely good takes on things. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. And um, <laughs> so she's a writer at pretty much everywhere. Um, Hobart, <laughs> Joyland. You've got a, a column in Joyland, right? Uh, in Unwinnable magazine. Unwinnable, sorry. Okay, I'll, I'll delete that. Okay. okay. But um, yeah, why don't you um, tell the, the folks at home about yourself and where they can find you? Okay. Um, I am. I mostly live on Twitter at Deirdre Koala um, and other places on the internet, you know, same handle. Um, I am a goth and I write a lot about goth stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's also mostly what I tweet about, I think. <laughs> Good. And um, yeah, as you heard, she's a regular at Unwinnable, which is like one of the, the good video game magazines. It's, uh, Love them. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a, if you don't know it, you guys at home, it's like a kind of uh, a literary approach to video games. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's about right, about right. Kind of like how The Escapist started out before it went all weird. And, um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about video games because then I'll get added by people with anime avatars all day and it'll just become my, oh, my mentions sure. will just become a mess. But, um, yeah. And we have both read, uh, Melissa Broder's The Pisces and it's, yeah. we both liked it. I think, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. And, um. Have, have, do you know much about uh, Melissa Broder from reading her work before? Because this is the first book of hers I've read. I've probably read a book's worth of her tweets. But um, yeah. did you read the uh, So Saturday essay collection or any of her poetry? Yeah, I like the essay collection and I um, I do like her poetry as well. Um, her collection Scarecrone is one of my favorites. It's really great. Um, yeah, I think I learned about her work from the writer Chelsea Hodson um, oh, yeah. some years ago. She's got a, Chelsea Hodson has a new one out. I can't remember the name, but I remember the name being a really clever name. But, but yeah, tonight I'm someone else. That's, I read that recently yeah. too. It's so amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, she uh, introduced me to Melissa Broder's poetry uh, some years ago and um it's, yeah, I, I like it a lot. So when she, when Melissa Broder started writing prose, I was, I was really excited about it. Um, I'm always amazed by people who can write in multiple forms because I can't. I can write. I mean, I guess I, I do fiction and nonfiction, but I could never write poetry. I think that's so interesting. Same, yeah. Poet, poets are just this whole other species, and it's yeah. beef and 
two species at once, like a mermaid, <laughs> is, uh, is kind of a rare and cool thing. Yeah, and, uh, seems a little unfair. How dare anyone be able to do more than one thing? <laughs> even most of the ones who are also great musicians. like uh, Oh, yeah, or visual artists. Yeah. What's that about? I know, like John Darnell, he can just do all mm -hmm. things, and he's amazing at all of them, so he's yeah. very angry at him. Uh, Same. But, uh, yeah, so apart from being a great poet and writer, she's also good at posting. She's got three things going yeah. up for her. She posts on uh, at So Sad Today and at Melissa Broder, and they're both really good. Yeah. She's, she's kind of inspired, like, a genre of posting. I who think so. Else, who else can say that about stuff except, like, maybe Drill? Right. <laughs> yeah, the So Sad Today brand of kind of posts about anxiety and depression and loneliness, it's just... Yeah, it's so wonderful and you do see other people kind of taking on um that that tweeting style yeah but she's I'm sure i've the done best. at some points but uh, yeah same i'm sure yeah but she she's still the queen and yeah yeah and this is her first uh book of prose and it's yeah like i say really good um so why, why don't you um kind of summarize it for the for the folks at home Okay, um, so without uh, without spoilers, because it is, uh, at least I felt it was so plot-driven, um, it's about a woman named Lucy who goes through a bad breakup in Phoenix, and then she goes to live, or to house-sit for her sister in Venice Beach, California for a summer, and to dog-sit. Um, the dog, of course, was one of my favorite characters, because I believe that fiction should have more dogs. I believe that all media should have more dogs. Oh, but um, Can you tell yeah. my uh, landlords that? Because they might let me have one. It's yes. Can be breaking I believe your landlords should support dogs. Thank you. Um, on the record. Okay, excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, so she goes to dog sit and then she uh, is in a therapy group uh, with other women. And I don't remember if it's explicitly stated that the therapy group is kind of like about sex and love addiction uh, i don't remember yeah i think give it, it i think it is i think it's uh yeah uh, intimacy addiction yes okay yeah. so she's in this therapy group um and she goes on some really terrible tinder dates and then eventually she meets this young surfer uh while she's sitting by the beach at night and it turns out that uh, he is, in fact, a merman who is not as young as he appears because, you know, of course, brine preserves one's youthful appearance. Of course. Um, and uh, they begin a romance. I think that's as far as I can summarize. Yeah. Any, any further and we get into um, into deep spoiler territory. Yes. And um, there's, there's a twist at the end. Uh, I don't think that's a spoiler to tell you. It's kind of like a night mm -hmm. you always notice a twist come in. Uh, yeah. But, and it's, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty damn fascinating. The the merman actually appears pretty late in the book, doesn't he? It's about 100 pages yeah. in. She's already... I think that's right. Yeah. I was surprised when I was uh, reading it because I kept, I knew there was a merman and I kept waiting and um, there's so much else going on, but it feels, I don't know, it feels appropriate. Hmm. Yeah, she, she needs to go on those terrible Tinder dates and get a UTI before she can meet the merman. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, so what did you like about this? Um, one thing, I think she's so funny. And I think that, I mean, that's true in her, you know, internet presence and in her essay collection as well. But I think being fun, I think funny writers don't get enough credit because I think that's so hard to do well mm. um and of course there's so much else going on in the book and it's you know the story is so emotional but like i laughed out loud so many times and that's not yeah. really normal for me when i'm reading fiction. Me I, and I, I yeah. used to like i remember being a kid and reading uh, i don't know if you know terry pratchett he's pretty oh yeah you, you did yeah. okay great but uh, <laughs> i remember reading him his stuff when i was a little kid and crying from laughter yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've LOL'd at a book for years, and I did yeah. this, and I yeah. caught myself laughing. When the the bit uh, 
quite early on where she's um, arrested and she asks if her <laughs> ex-boyfriend's girlfriend is better looking than she is and perfect. yeah i could i could like i was very dare and i could see it and it was it was a really funny yeah. moment and uh yeah there's a lot of funny moments in this and there's a lot of tragic moments and there's stuff you know isn't you're not supposed to be laughing at but it's still funny <laughs> yeah there's yeah there's a uh, definitely walks the line of comedy and tragedy pretty pretty well and um, it does. Yeah. like i think the the group therapy scenes were also some of the ones that had me laughing out loud like her descriptions of um you know the other women in her therapy group and of the the doctor and there's this like passage mm. where she's like is she even a real doctor but it and the way it's done is is so funny but it didn't it also didn't feel like lacking in compassion because like the character is still kind of self-aware that she knows she's like these women even as she's making fun of them in her head um so i feel like it kind of treads that line really well yeah and she's uh there was a a bit in the therapist scenes where she kind of um I think very early on where she kind of makes fun of a character using the word triggered too much. And I, right. thought, that was, I thought that was a bit, um, a bit reminding me of uh, Ricky Gervais's current output. You know, it wasn't oh, yeah. like the current, um, you know, let's make fun of trigger warnings kind of deal. Right. But, uh, right. Yeah. That's, yeah, kind that's of pretty the only, um, tricky yeah, that was the real criticism I had of the, of that bit, but it only, it only occurs once yeah. on that page. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. I had forgotten that part. Yeah. Well, at least she doesn't say call her an SJW snowflake or something oh, terrible. I don't no. think uh, Melissa Brady's <laughs> got to that point yet where she's uh, crossed the line. Right. But, uh, yeah. Let's talk about Lucy as a character because mm-hmm. she's hella interesting. She's, yeah. And I'm kind of. She kind of occupies that um, that space of a. Do you ever see the show Crazy Ex Girlfriend? It's on like. No, CW. I've been told it's really funny. It I haven't actually. watched it yet, though. Yeah, it's um, it's quite like this. A a, a woman uh-huh. has a bad breakup. She goes to a seaside town, well, California mm-hmm. town. It's a bit inland, and um, she kind of goes through the same stuff. There's therapy, there's mm-hmm. pills. Um, at one point, there's a suicide attempt, which is done really well in a like a scripted situation comedy on the CW network. Like the, the suicide is- attempt is, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, she she has that um, a pretty similar uh, Lucy we're talking about here. Sorry, a uh, pretty similar mm-hmm. thing to the to the semi character that Melissa Broder plays in the so sad today uh, oh. tweets it's yeah it's uh someone who has a number of mental illnesses is not great with the world uh, uses sex to fill what um melissa broder calls an existential hole i think she uses mm-hmm. the term in this um, book a few times yeah and, yeah um yeah i i obviously being a cis white dude um mm-hmm. I can enjoy the character, but I, yeah, I can't. I can sympathize, but not empathize, or is it empathize but not sympathize? You know, I can. Right, I know what you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. and as a a lady, is, is mm-hmm. uh, Lucy a a character that you can see in yourself, or can you see like is she a, is she a good character from a, a woman's perspective? Do you reckon? Yeah, I think she's. Great. And I think so much of, uh, so much of her, I found really relatable. Um, even I think maybe the, the first passage that really made me laugh is very, uh, early in the book, um, you know, about kind of gender and age. And I think I, here, I have it in my, my underlines. She's talking about her the man she's breaking up with in Phoenix. And she says, um, <laughs> yeah, here it is. She says, I felt irate. How dare he not give a fuck? What a luxury, the luxury of a man, the luxury of someone who looked at the ravages of time and went, eh. 
And I just thought that was so great. Like, cause I would, it would never have occurred to me to, you know, to phrase it like that, that, that being able to kind of not care or to be nonchalant about his appearance, which is what she's talking about is like this gendered luxury. And I just yeah. thought, and the way she does it is so funny that, um, I just thought it was really, really wonderful. Yeah, like a guy gets mature and he's George Clooney. Right. <laughs> yeah. grows up and she's not. But, uh... Yeah. And a lot of the, you know, kind of appearance stuff that she talks about in the novel felt like she's kind of, you know, like there's a, a section where she, you know, decides to kind of get her hair dyed and, um, like she likes gets a bikini wax and gives up halfway through because oh, it hurts too much. That's so funny. That's funny. That, uh, that was a that was slapstick funny. That was like um, the was same thing in the the same kind of scene in Forty Year Old Virgin, kind of funny. Oh but yeah, it, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. but it, it still worked though. Yeah, it still worked. Um, but yeah, that the character is kind of like she's not really sure if she cares about this stuff, but then she does. And then she's like mad that she has to care about it or that she does care about it. And I found that all like really relatable. Mm. Yeah. It's, and, um, Theo as a, a mer person, he gets a, a lot less lines, but without giving away too much about the guy, what's, mm -hmm. how did he come across to you? Like, have you met Theo's? Are these like, is he a type? I feel like he is a type. I think he's kind of, uh, I feel like maybe, maybe not my type, but I think I've definitely known Theos. Um, I think he's like, you know, what on, on Twitter we would refer to as a soft boy, but like, yeah. <laughs> But also, you know, has like the handsome surfer vibe. Um, so, you know, we can kind of see the appeal when she talks about him just like being in the water all the time. And he kind of finds her and pursues her and is always there when she just needs someone to talk to when she first meets him. So I thought that was really interesting. How did he come across to you? Did you recognize him? Uh, not in the mirror, because uh, he's. Like, <laughs> um, but I, I recognize a bit. Yeah, I mean, he kind of starts off as um, just kind of you know cover of a romance novel, dreamboat hunk kind of guy. Sure. Yeah. But as we go on, we get more of this. Um, I don't want to say emo, but um, <laughs> this... that is kind of how I imagined him, though, like an early two thousands emo haircut. Exactly. That's what yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Connor Oberst looking, um, yeah. super good yeah. looking, but also kind of a little grunge. Probably wear a bit of flannel. Uh, he, mm -hmm. Kind of, he's the kind of guy who would bring out a guitar and play "One the Wall" at a party. Definitely. Or probably a Bright Eyes song. Actually, he's probably a bit, yeah, a bit too. Uh, sad for one the wall. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's he's a guitar to party guy, and for sure, he's he talks about a lot about how he's been hurt before. You know, I've been hurt. Yeah. And, you know, he's been abandoned before. Yeah, it, he he's like an emosogenist. Is kind yeah. of um, he uses that. Wait, I've never heard that word before. Is that? Uh, I just made it up just then. Oh my god, that's really yeah, I know. It's a portmanteau of email and misogynist. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's a guy who uses the uh, kind of soft boy, frail emo vibe in order to lower women's guards and get in their pants. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, we've all known that guy. And oh, yeah. he's, uh, a, yeah, he's a lot of guys at their worst. Um, mm hmm. Yeah, he's uh, but for a lot of it, it seems like she, he's helping Lucy, uh, or at least yeah. he's at a stage she needs to get through, like a rebound yeah. guy until she gets better. Mm -hmm. uh, he's yeah, and this is like kind of odd thing that uh, Melissa Broder does, where she often talks about Theo in these very feminine terms. 
Yes. Uh, which she doesn't use for the other guys, like the right. Tinder dates and the ex and everyone. He, she talks about him, like, his smell being like a vagina. And his, yeah. Uh, yeah, very, like, soft and feminine. And uh, I think in a later sex scene, she talks about how she feels like she's penetrating him and not vice versa. Um, right. He, he, for the folks at home, he has, like, a, he has a Johnson. He has a, a fish Nick. Right. Um, he like starts being merman at like a lower point down his like mid thighs, I guess. But right. uh, yeah, he's yeah he's often given this like feminine coding. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of yeah. I was kind of thrown by that. Uh, did you have any I... like any ideas what what that could what that could be? Yeah, I thought that was. Um, interesting also, like, I think that she, that Lucy finds him relatable in that he kind of has, he seems to have similar romantic anxieties when they first start talking about, you know, past relationships. And that's the same back to, you know, the I've been hurt before thing, right? And, um, and I think that's why it's, you know, we, we talked already about how like she goes on these really terrible tinder dates before she meets theo in the book and i think that's like such an important foil in this story um because you know it makes theo's appeal so much more immediately apparent mm-hmm. um because he is kind of more like her and that he's very anxious that she likes him and wants to be around him. Um, And then later when we get to the physical stuff and she is more explicit about that, that yeah, she describes his tail as being, I think like a pussy, like in that exact phrasing thing. Um, And yeah, I thought that was really interesting too. Like, I guess it's part of the soft boy thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, it seemed important also in terms of like her, like the therapy group, just thinking about it in terms of romantic obsession, that he's also someone clearly who, you know, has romantic obsession. Mm. Um, And again, without like getting too much into, you know, spoiler alerts. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Mm, Yeah. I mean, pretty much everyone in this book has some sort of romantic obsession. Uh, her best friend, uh, Claire, does. Yeah. She really messes herself up around guys. Um, yeah. Her sister. Even the ex. Sorry? And even the, uh, the ex that she breaks up with in the beginning, I think. Yeah, who... It's like texting her every two seconds. Yeah. Like he's presented as this avoidant guy who's very commitment phobic. Um but then, of course, when he when she's no longer available to him, he's like this very obsessive texter, and I think we all know that type as well. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> so it's I've like... been that type when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we're coming about halfway, so I'm going to do uh, going to play a song. Um, right. So this band, full disclosure, um, I know the singer Sarah personally. Uh, she used to be my editor back when I wrote for a music magazine here in Calgary. Uh, she knows more about heavy music than I will ever know or could possibly hope to know. Um, and she's finally uh, gotten herself into a band. They're called Smolder. They're from Toronto, where she's moved after leaving Calgary. And um, so their their style is kind of power metal epic doom it's kind of classic candle mass kind of old school doom like after black sabbath but before like I don't know, electric wizard or someone like big and heavy that came out but uh and it's about fantasy robert e howard kind of stuff and it's really good and um you can find it on Bandcamp. i'm going to put a link in the show notes and this is the first song of um the kind of self-titled EP. It's called The Sword Woman, and it's good. Listen to it. Mm-hmm. 
was Smolder with uh, The Swordwoman off the album of the same, or EP of the same name. It's on Bandcamp, you should buy it. It got to like number five in like Bandcamp's charts uh, when it was released. And I should have played it back then, and I'm sorry Sarah, but you know, you know how I am. You've been my editor, you know how like I take, how seriously I take uh, deadlines. But um, yeah, we're here, still here with uh, Deirdre Coyle, and we're still talking about the Pisces. And so one of the, the threads uh, in Pisces is that uh, Lucy is an academic who's been working on a dissertation on uh, Sappho, a Greek poet. Um, she gets associated with lesbianism, but there's a lot of debate about that. It's, it's a whole thing. And um, she's been working on that for like nine years, and she's not very good at being an academic, but it seems like she wouldn't be much good at much else. And um, so, what did what did you make of that whole that whole thing? Because it seems pretty significant. Yeah, I I really liked that she was an academic, um, and well, I liked that she was kind of a struggling academic, like that her thesis kind of wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, well, maybe it, that's just says more about what I read that I don't. Uh, read that kind of character very often um and i feel like it really panned out perfectly with her story like why she's able to kind of just travel to venice beach and she has this time and she's you know theoretically working but she's also uh kind of free to pursue like these romantic obsessions um and also because her work with Sappho's poetry is also highly romantic. Um, and one of the aspects that I thought was really interesting was, um, so the, the thesis that she's, that Lucy, the narrator is writing is about the erasures in Sappho's poetry. So the, the parts of the text that are erased by time and she's writing about them as if they were intentional, even though, of course, they weren't. And that's the character's struggle is that it sounds like her thesis advisors kind of aren't sure what to make of this project. Um, so for me, I also haven't I haven't read very much Sappho either. So I I'm not knowledgeable at all about that. But um, in terms of the erasures, uh I was actually talking about this with my mother who was also reading the Pisces and, you know, really liked it. But my mother, um, she, when she was young, she studied Gnosticism and this uh, ancient poem called the Thunder Perfect Mind. Oh yeah. I did a a whole thing on Gnosticism in in university. Oh really? Oh, that's so cool. To do with the the dick and stuff. But uh, yeah, I never Mm -hmm. found the perfect mind. That's so great. It, but, uh, you know, it's, it, well, <laughs> I know of it. I mean, I only know, I've, I've only read, I haven't read the whole thing, but, um, so yeah, but this really just came out of a conversation with my mother who was saying that, uh, you know, she, in her thesis, wrote about similar things, actually, like about the erasures in that poem, which also just because it's ancient, of course, there's missing text and you can read it kind of intentionally. Um, so I just thought, I was just thinking about ancient poetry in that context. And also because the Thunder Perfect Mind is like, I mean, nobody knows who wrote it, but it's there's a lot of like, it's maybe written by a woman, at least that's a theory. And that's what my mom thinks. So I was thinking about it in that way, um, just about ancient poetry and erasures. And um, I guess I wasn't really sure I'm still kind of processing what to make of all that, especially in the context of this novel, The Pisces. Mm. Um, Do you think there's like a, a Gnostic reading of this that can be done of The Pisces? I, mean? I, I want there to be. I'm going to tell my mom to do it and get back to me. <laughs> yeah, well, let me know because that's, that's extremely my shit, as the kids say. Yeah, like, we should talk more about that. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was thinking about it in... Um, the kind of framework of Buddhism, because mm-hmm. the last book I read, um, it's by a friend of yours, actually, uh, El Nash. Uh, I 
read. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I saw you photograph of her online, so I'm assuming you're best. Yes. But um, we, we just met for the first time in person, but we've been Internet friends for many years. <laughs> She's yeah. great. She was uh, my interviewee last week. And I was, I was thinking awesome. about a lot about because she was talking about her book in uh, Animals Eat Each Other in terms of Buddhism. And mm -hmm. that kind of primed me to read Pisces, which I read immediately after. But it's yeah. terms. And they're quite good books to read back to back because they deal with um, a lot of the same stuff. And okay. I just picked up her book, but I haven't read it yet. So I'm excited. That's my next book. It's a good one. And yeah, um, yeah I think it, it resonates really well with Pisces. It's a very mm -hmm. different character, but it's um, going through the same stuff. And mm -hmm. it's uh, so, yeah, I think there's, there's like a, a pretty obvious. Buddhist way of reading this, which is that uh, Lucy is obviously caused, and the other characters are obviously caused immense suffering to the point of su suicide attempts by yeah. having this lack inside of them that can't possibly be filled by anything. Not, uh, mm -hmm. not academia, not drugs, not sex, not anything, not even sex with a literal mythical creature. Nothing right. ever fills the void for mm -hmm. anyone, ever. And they mess themselves up, thinking that maybe the next thing will fill the void. Yeah. And I don't know how much this is going to be spoilery, but there's a a lot of um, what uh, Lucy talks about is this desire for this, like, um, what uh, Freud called the Nirvana impulse. It's kind of related mm -hmm. to the death drive, but not exactly the death, death drive. And there's a lot uh -huh. of back and forth in Freudian stuff about what exactly it is, because it's not entirely clear in Freud's writing how it's different. But this desire for like, to like finally be rid of all desires and just be rid of everything and just be done with all the nonsense. Um, yeah. It's, so like, it's something like, I think, I think pretty much everyone can relate to, like, yeah. I just lost my job a couple of days ago. It's no no big thing, but because uh, I've had another one. But every time, like, I'm in one of those situations where like my life is changing, I have the same big feeling of, okay, I just want to go live in the woods for a while. Yeah. I want to like be done with electricity and food and just be an animal in the woods. Yeah. I'd probably yeah. last. I'd probably be like for. I'd probably last like two days and then go, go to my <laughs> mum's house for some food or something. But, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's like a, probably what a lot of people have felt. I probably, probably everyone has felt that desire to just be extinguished. Yeah, and um, yeah, that keeps like surfacing in um, the Pisces. It keeps coming up again and again in various different ways in relation to all these different things. And it's, um, it's a weird, it's a weirdly thing where it's like, it's a really fundamental idea, but it doesn't come up that often, especially in fiction yeah. mm -hmm. where stuff has got to be like resolved. You've got to have the protagonist needs to want something, they need to get it. And yeah. to say that it's never going to be resolved is um it's pretty interesting and so I, I don't know if you kind of read some similar things into into the book from around those kind of ideas yeah yeah i agree that it's um yeah i think it's very relatable uh just to kind of have this void and you know try to deal with it and uh certainly to want to live in the woods or under the sea or, you know, um, away from society, even if realistically, as you said, you would, you know, probably just go to your mom's house after two days, which is also what I would do. Mm. <laughs> well, your mom's house is but... more interesting than mine. Mine hasn't uh, studied Gnosticism. She's studied <laughs> daytime TV and uh, romance novels. Oh, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I thought, and I think that's something Melissa Broder does really well. Also, like in her, um, you know, her So Sad Today account and in the essays, So Sad Today, they talk about that as well. But I do think what's unique about it 
in fictional terms is that I, I do think it's not as present in contemporary fiction, like to talk about this void and how it's kind of not resolvable, as you said. Um, there was uh, a couple years ago, I went to hear a talk by the author Stacy Durasmo. Have you read any of her stuff? Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, she wrote this novel I really like called Wonderland, which is about um, a woman who's in a band, kind of like a Patti Smith type, and how uh, the character is like, she's kind of entering middle age and is still on tour, and the band is like kind of successful, but not like sustainably successful, and is trying to figure out whether or not to keep going. Um, but anyway, so so in this talk she gave, this was a couple years ago, she said something that really stuck with me about how um, people ask or want to know if, and of course I'm paraphrasing so it won't be as eloquent, but it was something about how she wants to know if psychically she will be on the road forever. And she said the answer, of course, is yes. That that's just the life of a creative person that you're kind of always on the road. You're kind of always looking for more. Mm. Um, and I think there's something heartbreaking about that, but also really beautiful, I guess. I mean, <laughs> depending on the context, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that you've got to kind of deal with for yourself and realize and not to go into like a whole self-help thing here, but, um, it's you kind of got to realize that it's impossible to do the whole nirvana drive thing you really can't go mm -hmm. live in the woods that's just a whole right. bunch of other shit you'd be worried about yeah. like um you know gathering nuts and avoiding sasquatches and so forth plumbing uh, oh, like wiping your butt would be like this whole yeah. other thing that it'd be, it'd be worse than having a job and, yeah uh, that's that would send me to my mom's house for sure yeah yeah, like, there's no real nirvana in life. Maybe there is in Buddhism, but you've got to be, like, sitting down for a very long time. Yeah, and, um, I don't have a great attention span, so... Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't do mindfulness meditation. I try. Everyone keeps telling me to, but um, it's just not going to happen yeah. for me. Same. My mother is always trying to get me to do meditation with her, and I will try. I, I try, but it's so hard. Yeah. I'm not very disciplined, I guess. Yeah, I'd be a terrible Buddhist monk. <laughs> um, I look great in saffron, though, so maybe you know one day. Great. Um, yeah. But yeah, so th that that whole side is not possible. But neither is like always striving, reaching your goals. Uh, probably drinking a lot of Monster Energy drink, and mm -hmm. just being this like always on kind of Tim Ferriss kind of guy. Uh, that's yeah. that's not possible, sustainable either. And yeah, somewhere you've got to find a balance. And I, mm -hmm. maybe you can't, because God knows I haven't. And um, maybe it's totally impossible. <laughs> uh, but that's, yeah, that's kind of as good as it gets for uh, negotiating the whole desire extinction uh, dichotomy. It's you're yeah. probably not going to get that far in, in this lifetime anyway. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I do think it is all about balance, but I also am still kind of trying to find that. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I guess Broder uses like the sea as this as a symbol of extinction and nirvana and just being gone. Like, yeah, and it's and uh, Sappho. Um, killed herself allegedly by um, jumping in the ocean because she uh, fell in love with a ferryman or something right yeah I don't remember but um... yeah that came out of my Wikipedia browse um, <laughs> yeah there's a, a ferryman which yeah to be fair he's he's got his own boat that's so kind of like having your own car but in that's pretty time. cool so yeah I think yeah we could all do with a ferryman but um, yeah and uh, yeah, in Pisces, she goes down to the water and it's kind of implied that she's going to kill herself um, mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, yeah. 
and yeah, the, the the water is just this other place. It's kind of like in um, like Celtic mythology, where the where water and swamps and rivers are the realm of the gods, and if you uh, drown someone, then it's then they go to live with the gods and they and so on. And uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and all the water stuff in Christian mythology and people being able to walk on water or stuff coming out of the sea like a, a fisher king and there's like a billion things with water and um like the mythic resonance of water yeah and she's um yeah she kind of weaves that into what's also like a really funny uh a really funny book about like bad kinder dates like yeah <laughs> open up in a hotel yeah. bathroom and right. which is um which is quite a thing because there are probably plenty of books about bad tinder dates but there's not that many about um that have like that can connect a bad tinder date to mythology and to uh yeah. man's desire to extinguish himself herself in this case mm -hmm. she's gender neutral pronouns i mean canada now um yeah yeah there's a lot of books about mythology there's a lot of books about bad tinder dates but this one combines the two in a really really amazing way i think it, it does and um there's a, a very a very brief little bit where she talks about mm -hmm. um she kind of alludes to the twilight books uh, she doesn't use them by name. She she talks about being one of those girls who meets a monster and falls in love with him. And um, right. mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't I picked up on that. And it's kind of I don't know why I've been thinking about the the Twilight uh, saga a lot lately. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why it came up <laughs> with. Um, cause I haven't even read those. I barely watched the films. Yeah, and I did read those as they were coming out. Um, like I didn't, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, well, that's another conversation, but, oh, no, um, I guess it, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> well, of course I have like, oh yeah. I mean, I have very mixed feelings. I guess my basic feeling about that, that series is that I did enjoy the books as I was reading them. Um, but I think I, I don't know, maybe because I started, well, I think maybe because they they were coming out, I think the first one came out, like I was already in college, so I wasn't, I think I wasn't young enough to read them in kind of the obsessive way of like the heroine of the stories. Mm -hmm. And for me, as like a teen goth, like I, you know, read vampire romances, so it just seemed like, a kind of familiar genre and uh it wasn't until the twilight series blew up that i was thinking more about why that became so popular whereas like you know the anne rice novels i read as a teenager among others were you know they were just you know horror fantasy novels that didn't blow up like that and i think it's because in the novels the vampire novels i read as a teenager i mean the vampires were still evil mm. Whereas in Twilight, uh, the vampires are like really moral and sparkly. And I feel like that's the difference. And, and it's much less goth, you know, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I like a monster romance where the monster is still kind of evil. Oh. That's my preference. And personally. how did uh, Theo um, measure up to, um, what's his name in Twilight? Uh, Edward. Ed, Edward, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's Team Jacob, so you know, we've got a fight now. Oh, no. Same. Yeah. I, th I always thought Jacob was better. I mean, werewolves are cool, but... Um... How does he measure up to Jacob and Lestat and the various other ones? <laughs> well, I feel like he's presented at initially, like, her... Lucy's perception of Theo... At when she meets him is more like uh, the Twilight heroine's perception of 
Edward in that Lucy sees him as this kind of like really beautiful kind of, um, what's the word? Like, like she's worried that she's not good enough for him. Like, why would he like her mm. type thing? Which I think is also part of the Twilight books. Yeah, um, Christian Stewart saying that in the films. Yeah, yeah. But I think in the Pisces, that relationship changes so much over the course of the book. And again, like, I don't want to, it's hard not to spoil anything because I also like would want to talk about the ending in that context, but um, I'll try to avoid it. But it's, uh, I think it's very interesting the way we see that dynamic change over the novel. And uh, just lastly, why do you, why do you think people and I don't want to say like why do you think women because guys like these kind of books too but um like twilight was stereotypically a big thing for young women and yeah. um and this i think is i think guys would like it but uh, i think women would like it more is that does that make me a, mm -hmm. am i still woke after saying that is that my good ally? <laughs> i think it's probably more targeted to women yeah um, again, you know, because there is gendered stuff in it, and um, I think that's hmm. fair. I think I should read this to learn now how to not be terrible douches, but I think there's a lot of books <laughs> you can say that about. But yeah. um, that's my question. Do you, why is it that there's a, a fair few novels like this one in Twilight where ladies fall in love with monsters or mythic creatures? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. What's that all about? You know, I actually, <laughs> well, and I can, you know, say this as someone who's like, I've loved monster romances since, you know, the nineties beauty and the beast. Um, and I actually, uh, I don't know if you follow Merit K on Twitter. Uh, I think uh, so. Or, I yeah. She's right a now. writer. Yeah. I, I, I recommend to all people follow Merit K. She, um, she's so funny. And um, she posted something recently asking that question, basically, like, I, don't, I forget the phrasing, but it was something like, if you like monster romances, like, can you say something about the appeal, like, for an article? And I, so I responded just something like, you know, when I was a kid, I imprinted on <laughs> the Disney Beauty and the Beast because I like men who have awesome libraries and get owned by witches. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and I think I still feel that way. I don't know. I mean, thinking about it now, I'm like, is that really the root of like why I enjoy monster romances? And I mean, maybe, you know, when I was a kid, I never liked it when he, when the beast turns into a prince in that movie, I always thought that was like really lame. Um, he's, he's much better as a monster. Um, but I think there's also something to be said about just the kind of disconnect that's there in those stories like in any uh you know romance that's just that's straight realism no matter how quote-unquote satisfying the romance I think it can be more disappointing as a reader because you're like well that's not my experience of reality. So I think with a kind of, with any kind of mythological figure, it's already disconnected from your experience of reality. So you don't have to have that kind of, I want to say like that kind of punishing impulse in your mind to say like, well, why isn't my life like mm. that? It's like, well, maybe you just haven't met a vampire or a mer person yet. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can. I could see it. I mean, guys have these ones too. We've got Chuck Tingle, you know. So there's right. we've got his books yeah. for guys. Um, yeah, and you know, plenty of mermaid romances. Oh yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen one, but uh, maybe it's not my thing. There was one I liked as a kid. It was a black and white movie about a man who has a midlife crisis and falls in love with a mermaid. I mean, he's like married to a human woman and he has like an affair with a mermaid. I'm trying to remember the name. 
I remember Splash, I think it was but uh, it wasn't black and white. Splash classic. That's being remade with, like, the genders reversed, right? Is it? Oh. I heard that. I, I know that um, Pisces is being made into a film. And, uh... Yeah, I saw that. That's so exciting. I'm so interested in, like, who will be cast there. I, I had some ideas, because oh. I obsessively cast uh, books that I read. Sometimes to the point of actually yeah. writing the cast in the in the flap. So oh, awesome. I have some ideas. I should read a casting agent. I'd be brilliant at it. But uh, who, who do you, who would you see for Lucy? Oh, that's hard. Um, what about like Kate Blanchett? Is she the right? Mm. I mean, I have no idea. I never know like what ages actresses are, so I don't know what's correct in that way. I think Lucy's supposed to be 37. Yeah, 37, but, 39, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, some, somewhere around yeah. there. But I just think of Kate Blanchett when she has red hair, and I feel like that could be Lucy appropriate. Okay, yeah, um, I feel that. Who else? Maybe... Oh, what about Natasha... Oh gosh, I don't even know how to pronounce her last name. Natasha Mikkel. Oh, oh yeah, I know her. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think... From uh she's in Truman Show. Oh, yeah, and... I, I think I think she might be too old at the moment. Oh is uh, she? Maybe. I have no yeah. idea. I don't I don't like you know, going to thing. And also have you... I know, I'm just trying to think about like beachy hair and like I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of her because she was in Californication, which took place on Dennis Beach, oh, so that's yeah. already my association okay. with her. Also, have you ever noticed, um, as a woman writer, that when you Google the names of prominent women writers, the first result that comes up is always uh, like Melissa Broder age? Yes, I have noticed yeah. that. <laughs> Apparently, thirsty guys have like ruined Twitter for. Yeah. Um, Funny. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm sure there's like very creepy, Virginia Woolf age but... on here somewhere, but <laughs> just. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sappho age. That is very interesting. But, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, and I think it's also, it becomes a point really often of criticism, like when men are angry at women writers online, like whether she's too old or too young that's like the criticism and i've experienced that too it's very strange mm, yeah um, yeah well men are men are trash and women should date monsters <laughs> um right uh so so who you cast as lucy oh, though yeah, i forgot that um i'd say kristen wig oh she would be great know, right yeah. yeah, that's good. I hadn't thought about that. Right hair, right age. She can pull off this kind of character. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, that, that was my casting. But um, mm-hmm. I was going to say Chris Evans for the Theo because I figure he needs to do something oh. for like post Avengers. He's getting. To... That's a good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's pretty buff. He could grow his hair a little longer. Yeah, get that kind of. Yeah. Right. He's got dark hair. Exactly. Yeah, I think I, I figure. So Hollywood. Um, I, now that I've cast your film, you kind of owe me some yeah. some some vigs. I need a percentage yep. of this. I think so. It's time. But uh, yeah, so I think we both enjoyed um, the Pisces and would recommend it to uh, people or book clubs or Definitely. or anyone else. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. So people go out there and buy the Pisces by Melissa Broda. It's a good one. And we did a great job of not revealing spoilers, but there are a lot of things that everyone listening should just has to read to know exactly, about. Yeah, we kind of set up a nice tension where you know there's going to be something worth spoiling, but you don't know what it is. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we didn't mention that other film even once, or even come near nope. to it. Um, no, we did not. And I didn't like that film as much as other people think that I should like it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed it, but not nearly as much as I enjoyed this yeah. book. Not that they are alike. They are not. They are not. Um, but let's play out with some uh, some music. 
So I was going to try and find something barely thematically appropriate, um, of which there's very little. And um, <laughs> so I was going to try to find someone that, that combines like the sea, but also horniness, and I couldn't. So I just picked up uh, what's good, and it's uh, two mold. Uh, they're from uh, America. They're from, yeah, where are they from? Toronto. But they're also from Toronto. Cool. And mm. they're uh, a death metal band. They're on 20 bucks spin, which is a damn good label. It also puts out Chemists and a bunch of really good bands. Um, they've been around for a little while now, and their album, uh, Manner of Infinite Forms, is going to be the next release. They've only got uh, one uh, song off this album online. It's called Abyss Walker, or one word. And it's really good death metal. It's nicely technical, but also like dirty and mean and nasty. And it's got a hell of a riff in here. So, and the front cover of Manner of Infinite Forms just looks like a beautiful mess of spiders and organs and eye core. And this like slug thing, and it's like one of his classic death metal album covers, like you see in like um, Autopsy or something from back in the day. Uh, so yeah, listen to Two Mold um, by Pisces. It's decent. Uh, follow uh, Deirdre on Twitter. She's at Deirdre Koala. Uh, read her stuff because it's it's good. Um, men read her um, essay on David Foster Wallace because it's um, <laughs> it'll, it'll get your blood up and you'll be angry um, and it's really good and uh, could change your mind about uh, about DFWs um, and if you're a kind of person who calls him DFW then you really should be reading this and, and you should probably nail a part of yourself to something so yeah follow her on twitter read this book uh listen to two molds come back next week because uh, i pray even in a few days because i'm going to be doing i got a big weekend ahead of me i've got uh, to do um going to be talking to elizabeth sandifer who wrote um uh, i can't remember the fucking name now i'm gonna delete this um <laughs> neo reaction a basilisk and we're probably going to be talking about uh, Grimes and Elon Musk. And um, oh, so stick around because it's still going to be relevant even a few days from now, I hope. I hope <laughs> that whole thing hasn't like just evolved or something worse happens. Uh, and also going to be doing the new Taolin book. And that's going to be a bloodbath. There's going to be three people <laughs> on the line. Three people enter. Taolin doesn't leave because we're going <laughs> to... Kind of eviscerate him, and um, it's been a long time coming. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna just hammer party on Talvin in you know, two episodes from now. Uh, yeah, two mold music. <laughs>